I'm going to start off by welcoming you to uh, this conversation. We're going to be talking about Schmidt's Quest for the Cure, which is going to be going on on Sunday, October 2nd at Nomahegan Park. And I'm joined today by Gloria Rose Schmidt. And Gloria Rose, why don't we start off by first telling us what is Schmidt's Quest for the Cure? Schmidt's Quest for the Cure is just a family and friends, a, a group of us that kind of got together maybe a little over 10 years ago, and we just wanted to start to raise awareness for type 1 diabetes and, and raise funds to help to find a cure. Um, and as we started to get more involved in organizations, then we kind of created this committee, this uh, nonprofit organization called Schmidt's Quest for the Cure, and we became a little bit more organized, having uh, conference calls and organizing um, functions that that could raise awareness um, with our name attached to it. Why did you decide to get involved with this in the first place? Well, it's very personal for me. Um, I am a type 1 diabetic, um, and then a few years after I was diagnosed, my brother um, Andrew was also diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and we have a, an uncle who who is a type 1 diabetic. So um, diabetes affects us very personally, and as it does to millions of other people around the country. So it's something that people can connect to very easily. When you say type 1 diabetes, for someone who's not familiar with that terminology, what is type 1 diabetes? Is there a type 2 diabetes? How do they differ? Um, there is a type 2 diabetes, and generally speaking, type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease that people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes require insulin in order to maintain their blood sugar within a stable range. Type 2 diabetes is not necessarily an autoimmune disease, and it's usually caused by environmental or diet um, reasons, and some type 2 diabetics are insulin-dependent, but not all are. Gloria Rose, if, if I'm not mistaken, you were a graduate of Cranford High School in, in 2004. When were you diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic? Um, in 2003, the middle of my sophomore year, in the beginning of, of 2003. How did that change your life? How has that affected your life over the years since you were first diagnosed? I guess that's it's a, I, I don't know, a loaded question, I guess. At times, I'd like to say that it hasn't really affected my life because I still am able to, to, you know, exercise. I still do whatever my friends are doing. I, I still travel. I, you know, I have a family. I have a daughter. It, it, it doesn't necessarily change my life. I guess I just am more aware of things that I do. Um, you know, so sometimes when I do exercise, I need to be conscious of my blood sugar and if I'm going to go too low or if I'm going to go too high, um, if I'm going to be out for a few hours, I need to make sure that I have a snack in case I go too low. I need to always make sure that I have my, my meter so that I could always check my blood sugar. So I'm just a little bit more conscious of my activities in my everyday life. Now, one of the things with this event that's taking place in October at Nomahegan Park is not only are you raising money to find a cure for type 1 diabetes, but you're also raising awareness of type 1 diabetes. We're also joined by Andrew Schmidt on the, uh, on the phone right now, along with Gloria Rose. And in both of your cases, was there something that 
prompted you to be checked for diabetes? Is Were there any warning signs per se? Is this something that uh, people who are listening to this should be aware of? Is there something in particular they should be looking for if they think that uh, diabetes might be something that could affect them or perhaps their children? I would say in my experience, uh, the most significant symptom that I noticed was weight loss. Uh, for most of my life, I've been pretty active, uh, in, in good shape, um, but it was around the time that I was ultimately diagnosed several months, um, maybe approximately five months, where I was maintaining my, my exercise routine, but I continued to lose weight. Uh, it was around the same time where I was busier from a professional standpoint, and my first thought was I wasn't exercising as much as I had been. So uh, what I did was essentially redouble my efforts uh, from a, a workout standpoint. And I do remember it pretty clearly where I ended up bringing weight uh, into work because I was that convinced that uh, I needed to work out throughout the course of my day in order to kind of maintain uh, the figure that I sought after. Um, but that was one of the instances that when, especially my wife, would tell me, you know, you're, you're losing weight, uh, we need to get you to the doctor, uh, that instance was something that, that kind of broke through my denial, uh, if we would say that. The other thing that really stood out to me was almost a perpetual thirst, and regardless of how many glasses of water I could have, it would never quench my thirst. Uh, again, I clearly remember standing in front of the kitchen sink. I'd fill up the glass of water, finish it, fill it up, fill it up, um, and there's really no sensation of having uh, even drank anything at all. So those two would be pretty significant in terms of noticeable symptoms. The other ones, you, you can have muscle soreness, so your legs um, will be sore. There's a level of fatigue um, that will also come with that. But probably the two more noticeable signs, definitely in my experience, was weight loss and then, and then thirst. And also frequent urination, which is something that I, looking back on, also Definitely, I was urinating a, a lot more than I had normally done, and, and I suffered from the fatigue as well. But similar to Andrew, it was during swim season, so, you know, swimming is a little in, intense, so it, it didn't seem strange that I wanted to go to sleep at 7.30 after we had just practiced. And, of course, I was drinking a lot because I was working out a little bit more and doing a different exercise, So and it made sense that then I was urinating a lot, but... Looking back on it, it definitely was the classic signs of prediabetes in a diabetic. Now, your brother and sister, and you both are, are diabetics, and you had mentioned an uncle as well, I believe, that is a diabetic. Is this something that typically runs in families? The simple answer is yes, both from uh, a type 1 standpoint and then also a type 2 standpoint. So, Generally, it's recognized that from a type 1 diabetes standpoint, it would be uh, an environmental trauma, which they don't necessarily have uh, a clear indication for the onset of the condition, um, but what they can look at is the increased vulnerability 
uh, again, with both the type 1 and the type 2. The type 1 diabetes would be more difficult to avoid. Uh, type 2, if you do know that you have that family history, there are certain things that you could do to limit or lower uh, your potential likelihood, uh, namely uh, eating healthy, maintaining, um, you know, an appropriate uh, weight, uh, and also a, a regular exercise routine. Gloria Rose, I know that as a result of your diagnosis, that had some impact on what you decided to do professionally in your career, didn't it? Uh, yes, com- completely. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a teacher, and then I was diagnosed and was aware more of medicine and so then I I went to school to become a nurse and I am a registered nurse now because of my diagnosis. For those who are listening to this that would like to participate either by actually participating in the uh, the 5k on October 2nd or maybe simply would like to contribute to the cause can you tell us how they would uh, go about doing that please? We would love any participation that that people are willing to to do um, definitely the day of. If people want to register, they can go on to SchmitzQuest.com and follow the links to register. Or um, also on our website, we also have links to just donate if that's something that they're interested in doing as well. And again, those links will be found on this podcast. So if you're listening to this, you can simply go to the uh, beginning site where you uh, first found this, and we'll uh, bring you right to the site for Schmidt's Quest for the Cure and uh, find out more details about how you can register or how you can donate. Andrew and Gloria Rose, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bernie, again for the opportunity.